Okay, let's clap in. I'm going to go first. <laughs> okay. You went first. All right. No, you get ready. Ready? You see what I mean? You got to be crazy. Too late to be sane. You got to go full tilt, full loop. Because you're only given a little spark of that. We are attention. If you lose that, you're not attention. Attention. From me to you, don't ever lose that. Because it keeps you alive. All right, so today we're going to be talking about hyperfocus. This is episode yes, nine. Hyperfocus is this a superpower? Is it's, it a good quality or a bad quality? Is it something that something to brag about with ADHD? What yeah, I uh, I used to brag about hyperfocus. I used to brag about it a lot. Um, pre meeting you and pre that first chat conference, I used to talk about hyperfocus like it was a superpower that ADHDers had that neurotypical folks didn't have. In fact, in the talk that I gave at Carnegie, it was, I highlighted it as a, in hmm. a character trait of ADHD, unique to ADHD, that I cherished. I don't necessarily feel the same way <laughs> as I did in 2013. Really? You backstepped on that? I didn't so much backstep as much as I sidestepped. I have a different take on hyperfocus. I think hyperfocus can mm. be a powerful tool. I do believe there is a unique character trait amongst ADHDers where we, uh, in which we lose ourselves in an activity. There's something for an artist or the artist in me important in losing yourself and getting lost in an activity and just losing all track of time. Uh, other responsibilities and banging something out. I have a writing partner out here in LA who can write 60 pages of television in 48 hours. And she's not ADHD, but that to me is equivalent to myself locking myself in a room, me locking myself in a room for 16 hours and just hammering away at a video or a short story or a short film, you name it. And Something so are you about, saying she can do more than you can, or what are you saying there? Is it that you're saying that neurotypical folks actually can accomplish just as much as we accomplish, even when we have this hyperfocus ability? I believe that I can, I can copy paste her experience over multiple different activities, not just one obsession, because of my ADHD. I think that ADHD caters to hyperfocus across multiple platforms as opposed to one neurotypical obsession or three or four or five hobbies. Uh, something There's something unique about ADHD's brand of hyperfocus that I appreciate, uh, which is if I find something interesting or something uh, attractive or exciting or fascinating, I can lose myself in a positive way. So for hyperfocus to activate... For you to yeah. turn on this superpower, if we're going to call it that. Sure. It would be, you would need, require something to be interesting, engaging, stimulating, right? Yes. I, that's what I, and I'm glad you put it that way. That's what I believe now. I used to argue that hyperfocus was this tool that I could wield at my will. And I don't mm. believe that anymore. I, I don't think that I can take an Adderall or a Ritalin and just like hyper-focus on my homework or an essay or uh, taxes or something. I now understand that hyper-focus needs a catalyst. It needs, um, yeah, it needs a trigger. 
And mm. for me, that has to be something that I enjoy doing, something that, I, so that I'm primed to like. can't hyper-focus. So what you're arguing is that you can't hyper-focus on some of the tedious, boring, uninteresting things that are also necessary. And therefore, you have changed your mind thinking that it's a beneficial attribute yep. across all domains of your life. Precisely. I will give one caveat. The way that we just painted that, hyperfocus sort of comes off as a a tool for passions, right? Like a passion tool. But I will say there's another, arguably there's another dark side to hyperfocus from my perspective, from my observations. Certain tasks I feel very comfortable in doing over a long stretch of time, very repetitive tasks in particular. So for instance, Excel spreadsheets. If I'm working in a job where someone says, take column A, move it to column B, copy, paste, do it again, do it again, do it again. I can hyper-focus on that and lose myself and track of time, et cetera, over an entire eight-hour day, 10-hour day, and be perfectly happy performing that action, watching some TV in the background, listening to music, click, drag, click, drag, click, drag. Uh, the same goes for like chopping garlic chopping onions. No, it's, so it's isn't not, that hyper-focus in action as well? It is. And that's where, that is where it gets kind of gray. It's not a passion. It's not a hobby. It's a distraction or it's a repetitive action where I lose track of time and, and okay. Yeah. I'm going to throw a wrench into this. Hit me. <laughs> Cause I wrench. actually, I actually <laughs> do feel like you can qualify hyper-focus as a superpower okay and a positive attribute when like any other superpower yeah you learn to control it right with great power comes with great, great power responsibility comes great responsibility yeah and the loss yeah. of your uncle <laughs> <laughs> and professor x will teach you that uh, yeah. in our and webinar coming yeah. soon no yeah. oh, spider-man bruh <laughs> I was next Watch your shit. Well, I was anyways. <laughs> so go ahead. Yeah. All right. So the reason why I say that is because you are correct that like any other trait, too much of a good thing is not good for you. Too much sugar, you get diabetes, you know? Too much caffeine, you're going to be That is not me laughing jittery. at diabetes. That is me laughing at the boiled down definition you just gave of diabetes. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, no, but I'm just, I'm, I'm Yes, too much of a good thing. Here. You get cavities. Too much of, Let's say too much yeah, sugar, you get cavities. We love sugar. We love yeah. caffeine. Everyone yeah. loves a good cup of coffee here and there or a good, you know, cup of tea. But when you have too much of it, yeah, it's, it's not good. It yeah. causes the opposite of what we're looking for. And that's right. the same thing with hyperfocus is that sometimes we get into this tunnel vision and it's I'm in, engrossed in this task to the detriment of other activities. And yes. I lose myself in this time warp, this time bubble where mm. time passes, everything's happening around me. And I forget that working memory that's going on with ADHD. One forgets other responsibilities and other things. That doesn't mean I, I will push back on this a little bit because I think that if you go with your default modes with ADHD, yeah, then a lot of the stuff you were saying at the beginning is true where you'll need the interesting activating thing to get you going. Yeah. But if you learn 
to flip that switch mm. on call. You learn to focus and hyper-focus when you need to. And I do believe you can. That's the part that I'm, I'm kind of pushing back on. Is I, that want, I, think, I want you to, yeah, I want you to expand on it. Cause yeah, I think like with training, with practice, you can learn to wield that ability even on things that wouldn't be necessarily characteristically interesting. Okay, so give for me some, instance, yeah, some for yeah, instance, I, I think that certain activities are inherently uninteresting for me and for lots of people, whether yeah. that's cleaning the dishes, scrubbing the counters or cleaning the bathroom, yeah, doing your taxes, whatever it is, some things are just inherently uninteresting. If you can find a way to approach those tasks and bring them to a sense of importance and remind yourself that it's not about the task being interesting to you, but it's important enough and it's vital enough to you reaching your goal, or it's something that you believe is, is really important for you to get to that next step. That's, that's where you can actually flip that switch. Would you constitute gamification as one of those tricks or, or, or methods to flipping that switch? Well, maybe not even tricking yourself into hyper-focus. Okay. But I mean, sure, there's things that you can do like gamification or something that could help make something more interesting than it naturally is. Yeah. I don't think that you have to think, approach it as if it's a trick. We're always going to rail against things that we don't feel are authentic and right. real. Right. That's true. So the more that you can make it really important, like actually believe it. Mm. So for instance, why would doing the dishes or keeping a clean workspace be helpful or good for you? I have observed forever that when I clean my room in the middle of, if I'm in a project, if I'm like editing something or writing something and I hit a wall, let's say it's a Saturday, 11 a.m., I can't get through this idea or even like 10 p.m., I go and I clean my room for an hour. Like I take myself away from the task and I organize everything. I maybe even maybe even do a little feng shui. Like maybe even move my bed to like a different wall and then organize right. all the crap. Well, I go back you... to the computer and I can focus again. Well, and how do you feel after it's organized, after it's clean? Fantastic. Like I, I, more often than not, I won't say a hundred percent cause right. You know, there's an exception to the rule, but more often than not, if there's clutter and I, I used to call it messy bed, messy head, right? If there's clutter and I make sense of it and I think it accomplished two, ta two goals. Like one, I take myself away from the task at hand for a moment so I can breathe and two, creating order and getting a really like a clear defined one-to-one -one risk and reward uh s creating a risk and reward scenario scenario uh those two forces collide and i feel great like i, I get a, i get an energy boost okay well sometimes when you do that you're like i have to clean first to right. be able to do this or get started on the thing i'm supposed to be doing Sometimes that's, that works for you. Sometimes the hyper-focus backfires because you say, you know, this is a great time to organize that entire collection yeah. of whatever it is. And then four hours goes by. And then four hours goes by. And, and you know, let me label this and then let me that's, really scrub yeah. this thing down. I can't count the number of times that's happened. And when you're doing that, that's almost an externalization 
of your own internal stress and anxiety. Oh, yeah. So if you think about it, (laughs) it's a way to relieve that. It's a way to relieve that because you're... You build up, you build up this like tension in yourself, like, oh shit, I'm sitting down, I have to do this thing, and I don't want to do it. What the yeah. fuck? I don't want to. What am I doing here? And then now that impulse comes in, it's like, oh well, you know, I could clean this thing and kind of step away from this activity for a minute. That'll, that'll be fine, and it's productive. I justify it, I rationalize it because it's right. productive. It's like, I, right. well, I have to clean this, and if I clean it, I'll feel good. But it's also an avoidance strategy. It's also a, kind of a bit of procrastination. So you right. have to realize that that is a slippery slope. I think that really what I'm what we're referring to with hyperfocus is that you can actually get hyperfocused in those things too. I don't know where to draw the line between being efficient and being productive. This idea of like there's a difference between being efficient and being productive. There's a difference between getting hmm. a lot done and getting what you need to need get to, done, done to get to the next step. Um, well, and whatever you're working on. And I feel like well, hyper-focus is the... Well, is, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it can. It can be your Achilles heel. Right. It's like, that's, that's yeah. the thing. It's it's both your greatest strength and potentially your greatest weakness at the same time. In product, productivity manuals and the kind of books and strategies, there's this 80-20 theory, which I don't know if you've heard about. Yes. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's essentially 80% mm-hmm. of your effort or your activities or other things that you're engaged in Actually, only 20% of the stuff that we're engaged in is actually going to be the meaningful, impactful things that represent 80% gain or 80% of what we're going to get out of something. So if you find those crucial tasks, like especially in the business realm, it's those things that earn you money. It's the bottom dollar kind of stuff, the stuff that's like, I'm going to get more clients. I'm going to get more money. I'm going to have more contracts. Those Who's kind the of author things. who said um, do perform all the there's someone said perform all the tasks that are going to make profit before noon. There's somebody like essentially in keeping with this eighty twenty right. like before yeah. lunch. Eat the frog, right? Do all do all the things that are going to make you the most return, bring you the most return before lunch, and yeah. then get to the, all the other crap. Briefly, why that doesn't yeah. apply is because if we could turn on our activation in the morning, which a lot of us struggle with kind of getting moving and going Mm. in the morning. We have this lag effect of Mm. some of us don't sleep that well or don't go to bed as early as we should or don't get a great quality of sleep, toss and turn and are hyperactive even in our sleep. So waking up and then feeling rested and then awake in the morning is hard to begin with. May I interject and say, isn't that a curse? Isn't that effed up? (laughs) Like even in our sleep, we're hyperactive, but yeah. You're a hyperactive dreamer. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, no, exactly, curse. exactly, exactly. Like, is that that's so? You thought you that's were like gonna you, rest, but no. you thought you get one period of time, nah. but even then, you're like, God is a vengeful, man. Not vengeful, <laughs> vengeful bastard. We oftentimes need to kind of, I compare it to warming up the engine. You need to sometimes start the engine, get it a little warmed up before you hop in yeah. and drive. Yeah. So that theory of like eat the frog would be like, well, okay, well, find out what's the most important task that you're putting off that you're avoiding then do that right away in the morning. Sounds good. Great. But we at ADHD are sometimes we need that little bit of a push of a warm up. We need that activity to get us stimulated, get us going, get us started. And we're not definitely start. We're not going to start the thing that's hardest to start to begin with first. Come on. On the to-do list is 
make a to-do list and you scratch that off. (laughs) (laughs) Plan to plan. Plan to plan. Scratch off. It's just like all the, like, like hundreds of things, brush teeth, drink water, eat my cereal, make a to-do list, turn on the radio, turn on the shower. Just like breaking down everything into scratch off because we love scratching shit off. Um, Well, and that gets to another point is like, that's the wrong way to use a to-do list. Busy. It's the word busy work versus productive work. Yes. And that's where the, that's the crux of this whole idea is that we can be very busy doing a whole lot of nothing that's important. Items that are like, I want to do these things. I enjoy doing these things. Or I'm doing this to avoid the other thing that I should be doing or I must be doing. So that should versus must. That's a, that's a big piece of this. I know deep down there is a zone that I get into. And you're right, not just filmmaking or theater or writing. It happens in other areas as too. I can just identify it the best in the thing I love the most. Right. It's but easiest a, to get into it's that e- It's easiest. It's easiest to prime the, uh, pump the engine, right? Prime the engine yeah. in those areas. But there is, there's a tangible, observable mode that I get into that I have referred to as hyperfocus since I ever heard the word. I know it's there. Like I know it's it's real. It's this zone of Olympic athletes often refer to the stadium Flow going state. away. Flow state. Exactly. Flow state. It, uh, CEOs, uh, Silicon Valley guys, programmers, athletes, they refer to flow state where you get into a zone that everything melts away and yeah. you just bing, 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 bing. All the synapses fire, um, neurons are firing, and you produce in a way that is compelling even to the outside world. It's it's compelling to yourself, but also other people can commend that work. It's, it's, a, it's a real zone. It's a real mental state, uh, yeah. undeniably. And wouldn't you argue, like, so that's, that's my point, really, that I'm getting at when I'm pushing yeah. back to you, onto yeah. you, is that... The flow state and our ability to access that state yeah, as hyper-focus, because hyper-focus is arguably that flow state when utilized correctly and appropriately and, and dynamically in the moment. When we can do that, that is hyper-focus in action, and that is where it crosses into that superpower. Because the high-achieving athletes and CEOs, business people, they're trying to, to get into that flow state as much as possible. Right, right. I guess, I guess I just, I guess I'm, I feel young or green and I haven't cracked the code or, or, or figured out the life hack to tap in to that flow state for activities that are outside of what I love. And it's not to say that I haven't in the past. It's just that I don't, um, I'm not as, I'm not as in command of it as I wish I was. I don't know. I don't know. Hyperfocus feels like this elusive superpower that happens without my control sometimes it can be and i think i'm also arguing that you can do the opposite as well is learn to control it and learn to turn it on and off when you need it have you observed moments in your life in various facets of career where you sparked a flow state you turned on hyper focus yeah yeah i i do it actually all the time And I think it's all about how you approach the task. If you convince yourself, I hate this, it's uninteresting, it sucks, it's boring, it's painful, you have all these excuses, 
and these <laughs> emotional reasons to avoid it. Episode three of the attention. It's a re- yeah, it's, it's a reason, not an excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check that one out. No, yeah. But yeah, if yeah. you go into the so the mind state, the mindset you have yeah. going into the task sets you up for it for failure or not, for actually completing it or not. So if you set if uh-huh. you set yourself up, ask yourself this important question. Why is this important to me? How am I going to feel when this thing is off my plate? What can I do now to get started? Why is this important to me? How am I going to feel after it's done? What do I need to get started? Yes. And if you approach every task, even the, even the hardest things, with those three kind of questions, those, those three mm. baseline mindsets, I mean, essentially, this is what I do with coaching clients. I get them to break down things that they're avoiding. And I say, well, all right, all right, that paper is hard. It's really overwhelming. Or I don't think I can do it. Okay, well, what do you need to make sure you can do this? What's the simplest thing you can do right now? The first thing you could do, the easiest, open up the Word document and put my name on the paper. Get ready to get ready. <laughs> you know? Right. Get ready to do the thing. So if it's like, I want to get to the gym, what's the easiest part of going to the gym? Well, maybe the easiest thing you could do is just set the bag out right on the floor. Get the gym bag out and put it out on the floor. Maybe that's the first right. thing to do. But guess what? Once you do that, you've started the cycle of inertia and inertia can help carry you through. So going back to that example of the car warming up, once you get the engine warmed up, it starts running, right? It Mm. starts getting going. Same with Mm. hyper-focus is like once you get into the hyper-focus, you're in it. So the trick is to get in it and to get in it with things that you normally would avoid. So if you Mm. have the tendency to put it off, why are you putting it off? Is it really that it should just be something you shouldn't do because you need to delegate it? That's fine. We can delegate things. Or we just, maybe we shouldn't do everything. If it is something you know you can do, you have the ability to do it, you know how to do it, and it's something you should do or you must do for your job, for your school, something, that's the, that's exactly the time to try to encourage the hyper-focus to, to come about. On a separate note, how are we differentiating hyperfocus for ADHDers? Because the word is often used by ADHDers for ADHDers, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's used in the ADHD community. It's not it's not so much used in the neurotypical community. They use flow state. So how is hyperfocus unique in ADHDers? What's what's our brand of flow state? This hyperfocus and why. I think Does it, it have this buzz. Like, what's this? What's this ADHD version of flow state? I think it has to do with the the intensity, okay, and the duration of which we can sustain it. So once energy wise, right? So like once the tank is full, once the intrigue is there, we can go longer and harder. Yeah, that's I, the argument you're making. Yes, like I'll give you a perfect example. I was Great. painting a mural with some veterans uh, a few years ago. And yeah. I, I, I was painting the mural and I, I turned around and I realized that other people had been taking a break and I went right back to like painting. And the, and the guy who's a veteran, you know, comes up to me. He's like, do you, um, I don't know how you do this. Like, do you take breaks? Like, what are you doing? You've been literally painting for eight hours straight. I haven't seen you leave this canvas. Yeah. What are you doing? And, and I, and I immediately was like, you know, I didn't even realize like that much time had passed, but I'm on a roll here. And of course I would say that 
one of the things to do is to be aware of when you need to take breaks to like eat or pee or right. other things. Right. Be safe. Be safe. <laughs> and, and yeah. And be smart about how you're approaching this. But at the same time, he was very impressed. And you and and that's an example in which I was able to complete an entire mural. It's about twelve feet across by, you know, four feet high or no, six feet high. I don't it is a big mural. With, yeah, I saw photos. Right. With an all, entire like YMCA wall. Like think a, a cafeteria wall yeah. in a wine and I, and I did that in a matter of like two to three weeks. That is just one example that right. I knew I had to get this done. I had a limited amount of time and I felt intensely passionate about that. And I, and I was invested and I, and I was able to do it and continue to, to exert this high level of energy for multiple hours on a time. Now the flip side of that, the, yeah. To, to your point of how it can be counterproductive. If you extend yourself, we have a limited amount of battery supply in our brains and a limited amount of energy. So if we overextend ourselves too much and we rely on that hyperfocus too much, then sometimes we depreciate and deplete our own energy levels. And, and then we need some time, we kind of crash and we need some time to recharge. So right. that can also be part of this hyper-focus cycle is that people can get into the hyper-focus when the deadline okay. hits or it's an impending yeah. something, there's a consequence that's immediate, and then they do it, they stay up all night for that test or something, and then boom, they crash. I got this, man. I'm going to finish this. Okay, and done. <laughs> and then three days later, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's Monday. <laughs> Where did things um, no, go? Yeah. Yes, it can be both intense and, and the duration can be much longer than other folks. Gotcha. But at the same time, we could completely deplete ourselves yeah. and burn out way harder. <laughs> we need to accept that hyper-focus is both something that is our greatest strength and our greatest weakness at the same time, potentially. And it's all about how we use it. It's all mm. about harnessing that potential. And if you can do that, if you can learn to remind yourself like for instance if you know you're gonna try to induce a hyper focus state to get something done like let's say you have a video editing project to do you need four hours to do it it makes sense to do it in a big block of time that's okay but block out that four hours don't expect yeah. don't commit yourself to do other things during that four hour block understand that that's what you're doing don't let yeah. yourself get distracted turn off your phone your email your your social media whatever it is if you need to take periodic breaks and like know that about yourself and set an alarm to to do that but that's an intentional state and that's knowing yourself and then and then you approach it with those three baseline questions that i mentioned before as an adult with adhd i'd say the two thoughts or uh practices mindfulness practices that i employ every day multiple times a day are jump starting something the second I feel the impulse to, to do the task, like, um, not should do have to do's, um, whether it's send a check, yeah. uh, you know, all the, so not convincing yourself you'll have time later and then you can yes, put like, it off. Number one, number one, I, I do this more do it on now. a day to day basis every week. Do it now. The second you feel it. And I can, the reason I qualify by saying an adult with ADHD is I think high schoolers, middle schoolers will struggle with this more. But as a 26-year-old, 25 and older, well, I have the I tell, wherewithal to say, huh? I tell no, no, I know, to but do it too. What, yeah. I, what, I, what I mean is more of like a, 
more accountability and less of an excuse. Like I have a, a more open dialogue and a more honest dialogue with myself now at this age. Than you did where at that I can age. Look, than I did at that age, where I can look in the mirror and I can say, you know you need to do this right now or it's not happening today. Right. I mean, that's a maturity. Because you're not going to get this wave. Yes, that's a developmental yeah. maturity. Putting off. That's what I mean. Putting off the immediate gratification. But it's still a struggle. Right. Putting yeah. off the immediate gratification over the long-term benefit. That's a yeah. point of maturity. So it's yeah, easier. But it's as still an adult. hard. Of course. It's easier as an adult, but it's still hard for me as oh. an attention different adult. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. hard for me too. Like, don't don't get me wrong. We, we talked about this, this making phone calls with clients, <laughs> yeah, right? We've... Just call them now. Call them now. Ugh, yes. I struggle yeah. with that to this day where it's like, okay, Ditto. I gotta call this person back. I gotta do this thing. I have this routine task that is boring or uninteresting. And it's like I have this tendency to want to put yeah. it off. But I, what I found for myself is that I just have to schedule it and then I have to force myself to start. Yeah. And, and that the willpower, it's like, you can't will yourself to, to do it. The whole thing. You don't even need to will yourself to tell yourself, I have to complete this in its entirety and get overwhelmed about that. All you have to do is get yourself to start and get that inertia to start flowing and then know. So sometimes what I'll do, like for the phone calls for the clients, yeah. I put in the number and I just press in oh no and then ditto. i'm like ditto and then I'm, i and do it sudden, i catch like, myself oh, guard okay yeah now i got now yeah. i have to talk to him because yeah. it's ringing like what am i gonna do yeah. am i gonna hang up on the client no the um the last thing i was gonna say the other thing was blocking out time to hyper focus is the other thing that i struggle with day to day those top two things act now and appropriately and healthily blocking out time to hyper focus on on projects to uh get into a flow state i think i speak for myself and many members of our community that i i have a heck of a lot of hope <laughs> my calendar looks like a very hopeful calendar you know <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of wishful thinking on my calendar and I could be a, a way better brother's keeper for myself saying it's not just saying no it's like pointing at something and saying no you can't no you can't remove that and it's okay word of wisdom to you and yeah. to other ADHDers on this podcast is don't multitask in terms of productivity and getting focused and being being efficient at your at what you're doing, you cannot be efficient if you're trying to do more than one thing and spreading yourself then across multiple areas. There are certain things you can try to bundle together and and do well or or get done, but you only want to you never want to do that with an important task. No. Because if it's important or important as as Eric Tiffers likes to say I was gonna bring it up earlier. Yeah. That important, yeah. that boring and important task. Yeah. Do not multitask that. Yeah. Sing single task it. That's what you wanna do. You don't yeah. wanna try to do too many things at once because you're gonna do all those things poorly. Poorly. So the end of this is just one thing at a time. Plan for it, do it. Try to get yourself into, into a hyper-focused zone to get it done and do it well. You see what I mean? You got to be crazy. It's too late to be sane. You got to go full tilt, full room. Because you're only given a little spark of that. We are attention. If you lose that, you're not attention. Pay attention. No.